0: Dragon the Peg is recorded in Treaty One Territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Metis Nation. First in our community. Look up to her, and now it's only appropriate that she's running for Empress of this here land. Whee! Coming up on July 11th, you'll all have the opportunity to vote on the appropriateness of her candidacy for Empress 11. For now, she is a current reigning Miss Happenings, your current reigning Her Most Imperial and Sovereign Highness, Imperial Crown Princess 10 of Winnipeg and all of Manitoba, the one and only my sister, Mia Lamor. Welcome to Drag in the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Hoosen, and I'll be your host. We're now on episode 5, and our deep dive into the Winnipeg drag scene can't be complete without a more historical context. Drag in our city has reached back all the way to the 70s, and was home to not one, but five gay bars. It was a different era with different rules, and now's the time to hear some stories from the past to inform our future. This next guest has been performing in drag for 20 years and is mother to one of the largest drag families in the entire city. She's an absolute legend, and I'm so proud to welcome the mother of the L'Amour coven and my drag grandmother, Vita L'Amour de Cosmo.
1: My name is Vida L'Amour de Cosmo. I am Empress 11 and 18 of Winnipeg and all of Manitoba. I've been doing drag for almost 20 years now.
0: Yeah. Wow, oh. so you've been in the circuit for a quite a while.
1: Yes, I started doing drag with Brianna Burlesque. We started on the same day, so she's the same age as me. 20 19, 20 years ago.
0: Cool. So you were telling me that um the drag scene when you started was quite a bit different than it is now. Yes.
1: Um it wasn't very open back then. Like there was a certain look that you everybody was like glam, like big hair, gowns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pageants, like if you entered a pageant, like you had to be really popular. And girls used to like do dirty, dirty things, like cut seams of dresses, pour vodka makeup, break heels. And we didn't really get me and Brianna when we first started doing drag, we didn't get a lot of support from the older queens. Like they were very like, we don't want you. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to like rely on each other to get through those dark days. A lot of those drag queens are now retired. Thank God. Wow. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was really bad. And if you didn't follow like the, the image back then, like you wouldn't get booked for shows either. Mm-hmm. Like you had to have like, like jewelry and like gowns and, yeah, Jeez. you had to play by the rules.
0: That is cutthroat. <laughs> it was
1: really bad, and oh. it wasn't very welcoming. Like I remember there was one drag queen in particular. I was Miss Happenings at the time, and she was Miss Geo's. And I remember going downstairs at her bar, and she's like, oh, you belong upstairs. And we got literally into a fistfight.
0: Whoa. Yeah. It in was full drag?
1: In full drag. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really, really bad. And that was one of the reasons why I got involved with the court system is because I wanted to, like, change that. I didn't want it to be so dark. I wanted Queens to come, like, and be able to, like, you know, explore their art and not feel like they weren't welcome.
0: Why I suppose if if the drag scene was so was so volatile back then. <laughs> what inspired you to keep on going?
1: I like back then I had like am I allowed to swear on this Oh, one? totally. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had like I don't give a fuck kind of attitude and I was like, you know what, if you're going to challenge me, I'm just going to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. And like I got volatile back and I think like, for me that was fun back then. And, like, you know, pissing off the older ladies. And, like, it was fun. Like, you got your little fan system. Like, when we used to do shows, like, they were packed and people would come for you and, like, whatever. So that made it better. But, yeah.
0: Compared to the drag scene nowadays, would you say it was more kind of prominent than it is now? Or no. Or No,
1: it wasn't. People didn't really go to drag shows back then. Mm-hmm. No. Because, like, would you want to go and pay $5 to see... Twenty drag queens do a ballad in a sequin gown, and I don't think so. <laughs> so then, most of like the lip syncs. And, and stuff. you know what? If the the amount of talent we have now was that back then, there would have been like a riot. Seriously.
0: Really, so there's yeah. a lot of gatekeeping.
1: Yeah, it was. It was really, really, really bad. A lot of like judgment
0: and like no support. So then how did you and Brianna get inspired to first get into drag?
1: I think just from each other. Like, me and Brianna are both indigenous. And Anita Stallion won Empress 2 at the time. And I was Miss Happenings. Brianna was Miss Purdy's. Late Jackie Jussette was Miss Clepture Hundred, And Charlotte Tenze, who is also not with us anymore, was... um, Entertainer of the Year, and we were the first aboriginal girls that ruled this city, and that would never happen in the drag community. Like It was very like white-privileged. So I think that was one of the things that really inspired me.
0: Huh. So kind of Winnipeg's more, I suppose, classical drag community then was pretty homogenous. Yes, it was. It was bad. It was vicious. Huh. <laughs> when did you start noticing, I guess, then, a change kind of in the scene?
1: Um, when... Um, when a lot of the girls started retiring and like when me and Brianna got more involved into the scene and then people like Lita Tequila showed up and like Sharon and it was like new, it was fresh, Aurora Celeste um, Ivana L'Amour And they, like, brought fresh ideas. And Lita was kind of, like, the one that was, like, kind of outside the box. Like, she was doing, like, stuff with blood and, like, guts. (laughs) And I think she kind of opened the door for that. Because, like, I'm still very old school. Like, I'm still one of those queens that will wear a gown and, like, whatever. And I would be scared to, like, you know, do a death drop in, like, with blood (laughs) all over me. But, like, I think that was the era where things started to change. And it it was more, like, acceptable to do whatever you wanted.
0: So... Had you started drag recently versus when you did almost 20 years ago, what do you think would have been different?
1: I think, like, the whole, like, experience. Like, now, like, whoever's performing, like, they have, like, that sense of, like, belonging and, like, family and community where me and Brandon didn't get that. And also, like, now there's social media. Like, we didn't have <laughs> – when I started doing drag, there was no internet. <laughs> so we didn't have, like, any, like, tutorials to learn from. Like, we – basically, like, had to learn from each other. So I think that would probably be a good thing. Wow. And, like, there's, like, the workshops that's going on and, like, me and Pharaoh teaching the drag class at Perry Theatre Exchange, which is starting again, January 20th. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How did you learn all of, like, the... Because drag seems to be a pretty complicated and multifaceted yeah, sort of thing. So how did you learn all of the different components?
1: Well, I don't think it, it I'm still learning all the different components because like <laughs> drag is so big now and there's so different, like different aspects to it. And like for me being older in like my one like genre, like I'm still picking up things. And like I never started wearing hip hats until about five years ago, right? And we didn't really wear nails back then either. So it was kind of like we just learned from each other.
0: So then, having drag, having done drag for so long, what do you wish people knew about drag? That, what do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I suppose, like, maybe are you talking about like, like, a...
1: like what we went through, or like?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What do you know that other queens don't?
1: I think uh, this is probably going to be really, really mean. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that I enjoy about being one of the older queens is that people take it for granted of like our history, like the gay history, the drag history. I find like, and not all the new girls are performers, sorry, or drag performances, don't really know where drag has come from. And like what, like when I started doing drag, like we were still fighting in the fight. Like we were at the front lines, like it was still like really homophobic, like our transgendered sisters never ever really talked to the drag queen. So it was kind of like, we were still marching and fighting. And like, I feel like it's so mainstream now mm-hmm. that it's more accepting and it's more like open. I think that's probably one of the things.
0: So you talked about kind of having that "don't give a fuck" attitude. Yeah, it was for... just because
1: I was one of those like um, sassy little queer boys that I thought my I was larger than life, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody could tell me what to do. And, and you honestly, are. like there, and I tell the story all the time, and I'm going to say her name redacted for privacy. We went to Regina. It was probably one of my first balls, coronation, sorry, and. I was kind of like a misfit. And she was like, if you're not wearing a gown, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't even blah, blah, blah. And I literally, like, put on a little tube top and, like, little hot pants and like, hooker <laughs> boots. And I marched into that ballroom. I was like, lady, what are you going to do? I love redacted it. again. But, like, yeah, like,
0: I just didn't care. <laughs> so that was kind of your motivation, I guess, in the face of the drag queens inside the community who wanted to get you out of it.
1: Yeah, like, it wasn't. Like, we didn't get support. I remember actually this one incident, and it still makes my blood boil. Brianna had gone out to do a show that I wasn't part of, and I was going to go and support the show. So I got there after she did, and she was in the bathroom getting her makeup done by somebody who did not like her.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I remember walking into that bathroom and, like, seeing what was going on, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this person is, like, sabotaging you. Like... Hardcore, like it was. It just wasn't a nice,
0: a nice thing. Oh no! Yeah, it was bad.
1: I'm not going to say that person's name.
0: <laughs> what did she? Did did she wash it off, or did she go no, out on fixed stage? It. We fixed that. We fixed that. Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so then, what was kind of your motivation to keep going in the face of? I think more my, because I took a, like a little step back, in like I think it was 2006.
1: Mm-hmm. I took a step back from drag. I was going some personal things in life, and I needed to like focus on myself. And I didn't really think that I was ever gonna return to drag until I met Miss Lita Tequila. And it was like her, it was so fresh and it was so new. And she was pushing boundaries. It's like I got re-inspired and drag was changing. It wasn't so one note. And I, I really got my inspiration from that. And I always give Lita credit for bringing Vita Lamar back on stage.
0: And that was back in 2000.
1: I I, I I quit. Sorry, I didn't quit. I took a step back in 2006 and I came back maybe about 2009, 10
0: Going back to kind of like the homophobia and queerphobia that existed back in the early 2000s and 90s, Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, it was still like, like, you know, like there's shows like RuPaul, Joy Grace, and like Will and Grace, like where they show more of gay characters and like it's more mainstream. Like back then it wasn't, right? Like mm-hmm. we didn't have social media, we didn't have the internet. I think there was no um, dating apps, there was Cruise Line, but like we still, like, dealt with homophobia i remember like being in drag outside miss purdy's and like we would and it was right beside the winnipeg hotel Mm -hmm. and it was it was just brutal you just had to like get a thick skin and like fight back i guess (laughs) what would
0: you say was your worst experience in drag
1: um if you can there's been several i think the worst experience was in drag was when i was telling you about how i was miss happenings and the miss geos because happening social club and Gio's were in the same building. Happens oh. was upstairs. Gio's was downstairs. And, like, like we would go back and forth and do each other's shows. And it was just, like, her and I not clicking. And, like, her and I still don't. Like, she doesn't do drag anymore, but she's still, in like, out. And she, she comes out all the time. But we still don't speak. And I think moments like that where it has to get violent,
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: that was probably one of my worst experiences.
0: Jeez. Were yeah. there any other kind of, like... Really bad memories of trying. <laughs> yes, if if you if you're comfortable sharing,
1: <laughs> I went through a lot. I I went through a lot, but Brianna would have a more like different outlook on like the bad because she went through a lot more than I did because I didn't care. But there was moments where I went to a coronation in Winnipeg back in the day when I was Miss Little No One, and mm-hmm. I was stopped by two empresses and said that I wasn't welcome. Like it was it was bad. Why? I think that was another moment. Because I just didn't fit the fold.
0: But you were walking the walk.
1: (laughs) Well, I was walking the walk, yes. But, like, when you have, big people like that at that stature, and there was nobody there to say, you can't do that. Like, you can't not let her in. Like, we didn't have anybody who had her back. That's not true. We did have one person. But, like, she wasn't always there. Like, there was no no one to say no, that you can't do that.
0: So how big was the drag scene, roughly? I think at that that
1: time, there was probably about maybe about 25 drag queens and it was uh, sorry and I keep saying it was me and Brianna Trixie Malibu had started doing drag like six months before us Trixie Malibu is DJJ Jackson and then Vivian Divine came after us and then Tyra Blanks came after us so we were kind of like in the same group I think it's because like we had a group of us that went through the struggle together I think that was probably like what got me through it because then I didn't really care if my drag went somewhere like it wasn't my end-all be-all, right? Like, I wasn't inspired to be a drag queen for 20 years. Like, honestly, like, it was supposed to be once. (laughs) So I think with the group that we had, we just kind of, like, challenged each other and inspired each other. And, oh, we were talking about homophobia. Oh, yeah, we were. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, That easy subject. (laughs) Even, like, drag. Like, I remember there was a time where, like, we couldn't get, like, partners because... Nobody wanted to date a drag queen because it was like a, like almost like a a disease. If like you dated a drag queen, and I was like, oh my god, that's so gross. Like even stuff like that with yeah. our own community, you don't see that anymore. I don't think
0: since it was only supposed to be kind of a one night thing, and now you've been doing it for twenty years. Would you say that's kind of like an integral part of your identity?
1: Yeah, I mean, I Vita is a very big part of who I am. Like I, I go by Vita. I don't even know what my real name is um yeah she like I've softened up throughout the years like I'm more open and I'm more like I'm more inspired but like yeah
0: so you also have seen then kind of the birth and the rise of everybody. to fame of A, everybody <laughs> yes but also RuPaul's... my hand
1: has touched every drag queen in this city not sexually <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow you're the owner of the the family tree
1: yes well not just me, but like, I mean, when it comes to like like Lita, Sharon, like all the girls that came after us, like Uh I
0: was part of their process
1: at, at some level.
0: And you've also seen the birth of RuPaul's Drag Race. I did. When that started becoming super popular, was there kind of a moment when you realized that would affect Winnipeg drag?
1: No, I actually never thought that it would. It would. I thought the first season, and that was going to be it, and I didn't think it was going to affect anything. But um, I'm glad it it did in some aspects because it like brought drag to the forefront and it's more mainstream now. At the same time, though, <laughs> there's a, like the the side that I don't like is when like some of our establishments bring in these fabulous girls and like don't look at some of their local talent and like. One thing that you have to remember is before RuPaul's Drag Race, those drag queens were me. You know what I mean? Doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And they got onto a TV show and now they're fabulous. And you want to tip them $20, but you won't tip your local queens. It's because
0: mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like you –
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems to me like there's a huge turnout every time a RuPaul girl comes into town.
1: And some of them are not really pleasant to work with
0: either. No? No. Do you have any stories? You don't have to name them. No, names.
1: I I, <laughs> I think they're I'm not going to say who she is because I – no. I think <laughs> the worst one I had to work with, and it was at Geo's, and she was just not pleasant. Like, she was late. She took her time getting ready. She didn't socialize with any of us. Like, she didn't say hello. Like, nothing. Like it, it was really bad. It was – It was bad. And I met like people like Morgan McMichaels who like her and I clicked and like bonded. Like (laughs) I still talk to her today, you know what I mean? So not every girl's like that, but some of them are not really pleasant to work with.
0: (laughs) So yeah, it also seems like these RuPaul girls must get paid a lot when they do. Well, yeah, they have a
1: show fee of like five thousand plus, right? Mm -hmm. So when you you're paying their airfare in the hotel plus their show fee, and then You want some local girls to fill in the gaps and then, you know, just overlook them. And it's really unfortunate because some of our local performers are 10 times better than any RuPaul girl. Yeah. (laughs) And I would put my money on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you used to get paid back in the day?
1: Um, Yeah. how, How it used to work back then you had to be like kind of like a bar title or put on the show. Like if you were to put organize a show, say at Happenings, you would get $100 and then like a bar tab. Where if I was Miss Happenings in 2001, I don't know if you were born yet. I think it was four. Oh my God. (laughs) And every time like I would be in drag at Happenings, like we would get some sort of fee. But if I was doing somebody else's show, I wouldn't get anything. Like you get your um, typical two drinks. Where now it's like, Everybody's getting paid.
0: Also, speaking of kind of seeing things kind of become born and then die, you were around when there was not one gay bar, but there were five, correct? Yeah.
1: There, when I started doing drag, there was Happening Social Club, Geo's, Miss Purdy's, Club 200.
0: Oh, yep. is Club Desire, was that?
1: Club Desire came afterwards. Like, oh. um, Geo's and Happening Social Clubs, they were, like, a, more of a – club like you had to have a membership and they were around like happening i think when i was miss happenings i was like i think i was the 33rd miss happenings it was already open for 33 years before me and that was in 2001 and then when happenings kind of closed down that's when desire came and desire was a lot of fun like i remember performing there with vivian and lucy lube and brianna burlesque like every saturday night so yeah i guess They opened in about 2003, so I guess, yeah. And it's the same owners and bar uh, manager of Fame Nightclub.
0: Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: Miss Beverly. Yeah, we work with her at Desire.
0: You've also seen all of these clubs, save for Club 200. Close. Close. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking
1: for. I think a lot of people like to blame other establishments for their demise. But I mean, like, when you don't want to change and, like, do other things, like, you're... when you have a younger crowd they're looking for like a nightclub like it's bound to happen you know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. Was it sad to watch them go?
1: Um, I think the worst for me was Happening Social Club that's where me as a young gay boy was birthed that's where my drag took off like I was a Happenings girl through and through and I think that was probably the most upsetting for me when that bar closed Happening Social Club was iconic like it was iconic and I wish like the children had a chance to even experience that. It was such an amazing bar. And then I mean, I was a really heavily Im- I was a former Miss Geos as well. I was really involved with Geos when it closed, but it didn't affect me as much as happenings did. Geos has Gio. been around as just as long, right? Oh, mm-hmm. When I was Miss Geos, I-, I think they were in their Thirty-ish years as well.
0: Wow! So Winnipeg's drag scene's been all the way back since yeah, like the 70s. and
1: they didn't do pageants back like back in the day when Jennifer Coates was reigning all over the place. They it was more of like a cattle call. Like the drag queens would all line up on stage and like do the walk and walk off, and whoever got the most applause won. And it was it wasn't for a year; it was that night.
0: All right, so let's move over to Prairie Theatre Exchange. Yeah. So you are one of the two Yeah, it's me structures. and
1: Pheromones. And we're starting our second class, which we didn't think was going to happen. But our turnout for the first class probably wasn't the best, but the, all the media coverage. And I think because we opened up the age gap, we'll get a lot more. But. We do, it was eight weeks long, and we did, like, drag history. Like, every single class we did, we focused on, like, Marsha P. Johnson or Divine. Like, just so people knew where drag had come from. Mm -hmm. And we, like, focused on voguing, makeup, hair, character development, like, performance. And we like to say in the drag world that you go through, like, this awkward, not-so-nice phase when you're new. Mm -hmm. Where our lovely... Children from there didn't go through that ugly phase. Like, they went through the class and came out exceptionally
0: polished. They did. Yes. And the majority of your students are women or were women for the first year. Was that something that would have flied 20 years ago?
1: No. um, They were—I don't even like to say the term, but I'm going to say it. They were called bio queens, and there was one back in the day. I feel like drag is open to so many different things, and I hate the word bio-queen. Like, I hate it.
0: Why do you hate it so much? It's kind of, like,
1: derogatory. Like, because you don't have a penis, you're a bio-queen. Like, Mm. it's not fair.
0: So then now, watching, because I think it's been almost a year since the first iteration of your class ended, watching these queens perform, how does that feel?
1: I'm so proud like they're so amazing and I love how they're taking the drag scene and just running with it and like working it like I get shivers every single time I see each and every single one of them perform like they're amazing and that's part of like the inspiration me being an older queen like you have like I get so much inspiration from these young girls and like I have to give some spotlight to star David like Mm -hmm. so good like it's stuff like that just kind of brings me life
0: why is it so important for queens to know the history of drag?
1: Because you kind of want to know where you come from. Like, if you're going to do drag and, like, be extra and have that little sassy attitude that new queens like to have that I don't like, <laughs> you better know where drag comes from and, like, what Stonewall is. And, like, you know, we used to have to—well, not we. I wasn't from that era, but where paper bags or, like, what police rights used to do. Like— We weren't like drag queens weren't allowed to even wear women's clothing. And like if police showed up at the bar, like they would dump your face in mop buckets like it was horrible. And if you don't know that part of drag, then I'm like, don't buck me. (laughs) It's really important to know the
0: history. The history. And now, 20 years later, after you've begun... You are kind of a legend. Not kind of a legend. You are certainly a legend. I don't
1: call myself a legend, just so you know that. I will call you a legend. Thank you. So that's on me. Um, Is it because I'm old?
0: No. No, it's because, like, every second queen has your last name. Well, yeah. Well, in the (laughs) drag
1: world, we have, like, children. Mm -hmm. And I think in the ball scene, especially RuPaul's Drag Race, it's become more of a house name. And, like, for me, it wasn't a house name. It was, like, I saw a cute little gay boy put on drag for Pride or Halloween, and I can see the potential, and I would want to, like, focus my attention on that, and I really, like, nurtured that and, like, brought out their character, and that's why I consider them my drag children. But, I like, this year was the first year, and it was with Prairie Theatre Exchange that I actually have a house, like, name, and it's Lamor Coven, Mm -hmm. where it was just, like, I had drag children that carried my last name.
0: So what's the kind of, like... You said that you focus your attention and kind of help them, I suppose, enhance.
1: Yeah, like with hair, with makeup, costume. Like just being like, I like to call it perfected. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and also now, twenty years ago, you said kind of like the the staple of drag queens was like gowns and wigs and high glamour. And nowadays, it seems like that's kind of in the minority.
1: Well, yeah, because there's so many different elements of drag like people are doing different things Mm -hmm. where I feel it's important for people like me to still be around that will be wearing jewelry and like the big jewelry and the gowns and stuff like that like and like there is a market for it like when I perform at Club 200 I think that's probably where I get my most like fans from because a lot of the clientele, Clip 200, who are at this show is, are like from my era mm-hmm. where they like a drag queen holding a microphone and like doing a ballad or whatever. And like people still crave that and it's still important. Definitely. Not every single drag queen should do it though. But I mean, mm-hmm. at one point you should try work a ballad.
0: Totally. Which is why Star is so cool. Oh my God. I... <sighs> she combines the freaky with yeah, the...
1: and it's And it's more performance piece and I love that. Like there's a story there. Uh-huh. Like, Oh my god! And like a lot of people, I remember when Star came out because they came out with um, Ruby and like Shanita and Peppermint, like my my dry class kids. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought that they were in my dry class as well. And
0: you know, like it's
1: unfortunate she should have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of lumped in with it anyway. But like,
1: I look at her; you know. she didn't go to the dry class, and she's amazing.
0: Yeah. So you were also, as you said at very at the beginning, you were Empress twice. Yes. So what did you know coming in for a second time?
1: I feel for me, when I was Empress, I keep looking. um, I have Pirouette in the room, who was my prince the first time. Um, (laughs) When I did it the first time with Pirouette, like we had like more of a game plan. Like it was a lot of fun and like, we did a lot of good work where, and that was like, what, eight years ago? And drag has, come so far since then mm-hmm. and i felt like i was a little like ignorant with like um terminology and like all the different things that i need to like immerse myself into that to get re-educated mm-hmm. and like there was like this divide with like the sunshine bunch and the court queens and like it was my like need to like fix that so people didn't feel excluded mm-hmm. so it was more like at the first time i did it was more raising money for the community, where this time it was bringing the community together. Uh
0: huh. And do you think that was successful? Of
1: course it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Prairie Sky. Hello. Oh my God, Prairie Sky. <laughs> She's amazing. She is like literally, like literally, the, the one of the hardest working drag queens in the city, and she should be like awarded like everything. And so people say that I'm a legend. She's a legend. She is. She's yes.
0: actually, I think, the first queen that I interviewed.
1: Really? And she was.
0: She. She is so smart.
1: smart. She's so articulate. And, like, that's what I mean. Like, I was nervous to come to this. I'm not very articulate and, like, (laughs) I stumble, but she's so amazing. Mm -hmm. She's like my booking agent, too. Is she? (laughs) Yeah, she gets me all my bookings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, that's all the questions that I had. What I want to know is what do you think people should know about Vita or about the drag scene or about what was happening back in the 90s?
1: That it was like, I feel like. I don't like to glamorize that like what me and Brianna and the rest of us that went through because it was I mean I wanted to focus more on the positive and like how drag is now Mm -hmm. and like I don't feel like I know a lot of the some of the girls find it's like competition and stuff like that but I feel like that I'm I'm relevant still even though I'm old and I'm one of those glamour girls.
0: You are kind of one of the only remaining consistently performing queens I would say That have kind of existed for almost decades. How does that feel to be one of kind of the last?
1: Well, I mean, there.
0: Along with I don't know,
1: it's something that I don't really think about. Like when we have like little heart-to-hearts and stuff, and people remind me that I'm old. I think that's (laughs) where it's kind of nostalgic for me. And I look back, I'm like, wow, it has been such a long time because I still feel like I'm young and like I'm still like. Current with all like the new performers and like I try to be friendly and make friends with everybody and like I so I never ever really look back and like
0: yeah fuck I'm old <laughs> like
1: I'm old nice. so is Brianna
0: <laughs> and Tyra so then looking back is there anything that you miss back from those days?
1: Um. No. 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 I, I'm happening social club for sure. DJ Christine, who is. Probably one of the m- most influential people in Vita's life. She was a former DJ at Happening. She also has passed away. Um, that those moments that I miss, but not not growing up in that time. I don't miss it at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell me about getting into drag for the very first time. Oh my god! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it wasn't even my idea. Like <sighs> me and Dart became friends. Like. Before we started doing drag and I think it was might have been his idea that we were going to do drag for Pride that year and I was like not having it. So I remember we were going to like the local Le Chateau and we bought ourselves some discount fucking ugly dresses. (laughs) And I don't even know where we got wigs from. I don't remember. And we went to shoe warehouse and bought shoes and we never thought about the makeup. But drag back then wasn't focused on it wasn't the image it was more focused on the talent because there wasn't social media back then no one knew knew how to do makeup Mm. and um so it was more about the talent and we never thought about the makeup and we wore mom's maybelline like i remember i don't even think i wore foundation that time (laughs) I i think i wore like a blush and some eyeshadow and like these really tragic eyelashes and i i don't even remember if brianna even put on makeup but we went out that pride and we thought we were the cat's meow and and it was supposed to be that one night and then Brianna got booked for a show and I was like, Well, she can't do it alone. But like I'm I'm grateful for that. You know what I mean? It was it was really tragic. There I <laughs> there are pictures somewhere of me and Brianna's first night, and it's not pretty. Oh God, I'd love to see oh those. my God. You'll find them. They're <laughs> they're around.
0: Does your family know that you do drag? Yes,
1: my family is very supportive. Actually, i I never told my family right away that I was doing drag. I I think I might have been Tyra when she was Miss Happenings and it was like a, a superhero theme float and I was um, Wonder Woman and we did the Pride and like the media covered so much. I think like, I don't feel like there's a lot of media coverage for Pride anymore. Like you get like a little section in the newspaper, but it was like headlines. And I remember going to visit my grandma once and she was like drinking her coffee and she's like, I was watching that gay pride parade. And she's like, I knew that was you. And it was then that I told everybody I was doing drag because when my grandma's like CNN, <laughs> but yeah, my family's really supportive. Actually, from like the era that it coming out, I came out in like ninety three, and like even then in high school, like uh, it was so bad. But I got so much family support that it just overtook the bad.
0: But high school was really tough for you.
1: Yes and no. I, there was another individual who came out the same time as I did. I think he went through way worse of a time than I did. I was friends with everybody and like, I went to like football parties and like, I hung out with like, I guess the cool kids. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't picked on as much as he was, but it was, it was really bad. Like getting pushed into lockers and like being called faggot every other day, a queer and a sissy, like, yeah.
0: And I feel like a lot of, even people from my generation kind of take for granted a little bit how much open more open
1: you know why and i'm was. really grateful though that you guys like the newer generation the millennials i like guess didn't have to go through that cuz it like it was pretty tough there it was really really it was bad
0: how much longer was it after you started doing drag that your grandma saw you on cnn <laughs>
1: maybe about 3 years oh yeah
0: is there anything else that you would specifically like to talk about
1: support your local queens <laughs> um no just like i hope that Drake keeps flourishing and like people keep pushing the boundaries and like think of creative things to do and let us old ladies wear our gowns and don't judge us <laughs> <laughs>
0: well thank you so much for sitting thank down you for me.
1: having me it was a lot of fun
0: <laughs> thank you so much davida for sitting down with me Next up on Drag in the Peg, you're getting three guests for the price of one. Young though they may be, they've been tearing up the drag scene with their avant-garde next-level drag and monthly showcases for up-and-coming performers. Let's hear a clip from their interview. We want to provide a safe space for people to start drag because, I mean, uh, like, when I my first performance, I, like, knew Cake already, and when she was Empress, I asked her to perform at the in-town show, and, like, not everybody wants to or is able to do that because like it's pretty intimidating to go up in a show where there's a bunch of established queens who have been doing drag for like you know eight years because there's this kind of weird gap where there aren't tons of queens around who have been doing drag for like three to four years essentially
1: yeah essentially in the past i'm sure like you've probably talked about this on the show at this point but there's essentially now there's this renaissance that's happening but there was a period for about like probably like five or so years where there were barely any new queens and now we have like this huge influx of new queens we're just trying to provide a space for that and also make a space that prioritizes accessibility
0: and all that kind of stuff yeah accessibility inclusivity uh, support respect for artists uh compensation Don't forget to follow Drag in the Peg on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for photos, extra content, and news on upcoming drag shows in our city. And of course I'm forever indebted to Claire Boning of Veneer for the spectacular intro and outro music, and to Red River College for letting me use your audio equipment. And a huge thank you to Christopher Scofield for letting me use audio from a couple videos that he shot of Vita performing several years ago, posted on his YouTube channel Winnipeg Drag. Go check out the channel for more videos of local queens tearing it up. Until next episode, remember to always tip your local drag queens.